Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Monday, November 20th. Today, we're talking to Colorado Sun reporters Jennifer Brown, Michael Booth, and Tamara Chang about how expensive it is to live in Colorado. This special podcast episode kicks off the first of several episodes on the high cost of Colorado, a new series by the staff at the Colorado Sun. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsor, the Colorado Department of Healthcare Policy and Financing. HCPF is raising awareness of the invaluable roles of direct care workers and the direct care workforce in Colorado. Direct care workers play a crucial role in enhancing the lives of individuals requiring assistance due to disability, age, or illness. Learn more about the impact of these workers and how to become one by visiting hcpf.colorado.gov direct-care-spotlight. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On this day in 1879, Horace and Augusta Tabor attended the opening night of the Tabor Opera House in Leadville. This event marked a significant cultural milestone for the mining town. The Opera House featured elaborate backdrops and hosted notable figures like Ulysses S. Grant and Oscar Wilde. The grand building symbolized Leadville's desire to be known for refinement and respectability instead of its rowdy boomtown origins. Established during the gold rush in 1859 at California Gulch, the town transitioned to silver mining in 1877, leading to the creation of Leadville. As for Horace Tabor, he became Leadville's first mayor and one of Colorado's wealthiest men after investing in a lucrative silver mine. Before we continue, choosing your health insurance plan can be difficult and confusing. The Colorado Sun is hosting a free virtual discussion on December 6th to help you learn to choose the best option. RSVP for free and submit your questions for the panelists by visiting coloradosun.com slash events. Next, our feature story. I currently live in an apartment with it's myself and my three kids, and it is quite expensive (laughs) to live there. Um, I would love to own a home, but I just, I can't do it on my own. That was Justice Wilson speaking. The 28-year-old medical assistant and mother of three spoke to Colorado Sun reporter Mike Booth about the housing costs in Colorado. The Colorado Sun's new series called The High Cost of Colorado. This is an ongoing series that began last week, and we're kicking off the special edition of the podcast with Mike and Jennifer Brown, who came up with the idea to do this series um, to explore the different price of living in Colorado. And I'm Tamara Chung. Normally, you'll hear me on the podcast on Tuesdays talking about the state's economy. But we thought we'd mix it up this week and hear about a topic close to every Coloradans' mind and their pocketbook. Why are things so expensive? So I've got Mike Booth and Jennifer Brown with me today. Hey, Tamara. Mike, let's start with Justice. She she makes $22.98 an hour and has four jobs, and her rent in Firestone is... 2175 or something like that. I think after tax, that's like two-thirds of her budget is going to housing. How did you end up with her in this story? Well, first, thanks for having us on. And we want to talk a little bit about how we decided to do this. And we want people to know that we're going to be running different pieces of the series from high cost all through even January, maybe on into February. We keep hearing from readers and listeners with new ideas, things they would like us to explore. And we're just trying to really dig into the idea that if we drive by something every day, if we if something occurs to us every day or is bugging us every day, 
then we should be writing about it because it's bothering other people too. It's affecting their lives. It's a part of their daily struggle, their daily challenges. And so we really wanted to look at what does that mean for costs of people's daily lives in Colorado? And we're talking about everything from the big ones like mortgage and health insurance to things that don't seem as big, but they add up every day, every week, such as the price of a gallon of milk or the price of a hamburger when you're getting lunch, the price of a night out at Red Rocks, the prices that add up when you're just trying to take a hike in our beautiful state that we all love, but $4 gas makes a difference and the price of your snacks going up makes a difference. The fact that the park may have added a new fee just to park there um, and take a shuttle bus adds up to everybody's lives. So in doing that, one of the things I wanted to dig into was obviously affordable housing is a huge issue in Colorado. You mentioned a big number. You're not supposed to spend more than 30% of your disposable income on housing in anywhere in the United States. That's just kind of a standard that's been existed for a long time. If you're spending more than 30%, you're going to end up falling behind on your other bills, and it's just going to be a struggle. The fact that somebody like Justice is spending you know, 60 70% of their income on housing just means that they're going to get into trouble. And we'll talk a little bit more about the challenges that Justice does get into. But we started with a number. And the number that was startling to me was that because housing prices have gone up so much in Colorado, it used to be in just you know 10 short years ago that in order to afford the median house, if you made the median income, somebody like Justice, the mortgage for a median house took about 48 hours of your work that month to pay the mortgage. And we're talking out of about 177 available hours of work in a given month. And that's now gone up in nine years to 104 hours to afford the median house because the price of that house has gone up so much because the interest rate on that mortgage has gone up to 8%. So somebody like Justice has to work more than twice as many hours or give as much as twice as much of her income for the same hours just to pay the mortgage. And when Justice, we asked for people in different work disciplines who fit in that category of median income, and that meets... In Colorado, that's sort of between $21, $22 an hour and $30 an hour. And you're talking about people like medical assistants, people in kind of uh, mid-level medical jobs, people in mid-level computer programming jobs, customer service jobs. And that's what Justice does. She's a medical assistant. She's the one who, when you go into a Kaiser office, she's the one who greets you, takes your blood pressure, takes your weight, takes you back into the exam room, gets you ready to talk to the nurse or the doctor and does that over and over again every day. So she's taking care of everybody in Colorado, and that's the wage that she makes, and it's not enough. So she has to go home, drop in quickly, and then go out and work for DoorDash, Grubhub, do food delivery, missing out on everything her kids are doing, uh, homework, her kids' soccer, her kids' sports, um, anything that they're doing for fun in order to just make the rent. And still, at the end of the month, she has to choose which bill she's going to pay because she can't pay all of them. So for us, she was a voice of what's happening to a lot of people in Colorado. And I know Jen added in a lot of the numbers about renters, people who are renters like Justice who can't even think about going over to owning a house. But we should ask Jen a little bit more about what she found out talking to people who deal every day with people who are getting in trouble on the rent. Yes, for sure. I mean, rent is a huge part of this story because people get stuck there. Um, you know, we learned that the average rent across Colorado is at least $2,000 a month. Um, and one stat that really sticks in my head, a little bit different way to look at it than Mike was saying, but, you know, they, 
minimum wage in Colorado is $13.65 an hour, right? A lot of people that are only making minimum wage. So if they wanted to afford a one-bedroom apartment, which is moderately priced at $1,300 a month, they would have to work 77 hours in one week. And that is just, it's insane. That's just way too many hours for a person to be working. And, you know, that leads me to a, a woman that I met, um, Angeles. Um, she has kids, got divorced, got a two-bedroom apartment um, up on the north side of the city, you know, up in the Louisville area. And her rent was $2,500 a month. So she's working, you know, a little bit above minimum wage, cleaning people's homes and office space and even restaurants in the daytime. But that's not enough money to to pay her rent. So she starts working um, in a Safeway store on the overnight shift. And she does this three nights a week. She does it for several months and, you know, she's making her rent. But at the cost of, I mean, it basically led to her being sick, like physically ill, mentally ill, just completely exhausted by, you know, working all day and working all night and trying to care for her kids in between. So at this point, you know, for her, like justice, that idea of owning a home in this state is pretty far out of reach. The average price of a home right now in Colorado is about $535,000. Yeah, that's pretty high. I mean, that I, I think that is that the median price for a, a new house. I mean, if you're earning, even if you're earning 30 or $40 an hour, that is uh, a huge stretch. Um, plus, you know, typically, you know, there's that down payment and qualifying um, a lot of folks I talk to for the what's working column, you know, people who can afford to get that starter home, it's because they get help from, you know, relatives or, you know, they inherit money, basically, or something like that. But, you know, speaking of, of money, you know, wages, I track this a lot uh, in the what's working column. And, you know, the state's average wage is has gone up in in the past several years um it's around 30 something dollars an hour but that is not adjusted for inflation and when you do adjust it for inflation um salaries are down about 1.9 percent so from what you might have been earning it you know last year or the year before minimum wage has gone up and uh partly because of laws here in Colorado to get that higher. So like for in Colorado, the wage is going up again in January. In, let's see, for Colorado, it's going up to fourteen forty-two an hour. And in Denver, it's going to $18.29 an hour. So that, that actually is a big hike from where it was in 2020 or even 2018. But if you look at how much housing has gone up and all these other costs, that's that's why there's that disconnect. And and I should say, you know, another thing about some of the minimum wage jobs out there is they aren't full time. Uh, so it's sometimes hard to get all those hours and especially at supermarkets or restaurants. So and it's not yeah. predictable. I mean, you may get hours one week and then the next week on uh, the way they do scheduling these days, which is kind of just in time scheduling. You may not have any idea what you're going to make next week or next month. 
And again, that whole idea of driving by and trying to investigate what it is that you're looking at. If you see a sign at Circle K that says, you know, $18 an hour to start or at Chick-fil-A or a fast food retail outlet, you might think, okay, that seems pretty good. That's a lot higher than when I was looking for that kind of job last. But, and it may be okay if you're a teenager living at home or, and you're just looking for some spending money, $18 an hour translates to maybe $36,000, $37,000 a year, nowhere near enough to afford the average rent in Colorado and Metro Denver, especially. And certainly not even close to thinking about actually buying a house. So that's what we're trying to remember in the series. We're going to be rolling out stories. Again, everybody should keep looking every week because it's going to be a different subject. And they should go to coloradosun.com. You can click on the high cost button or you can go all the way to coloradosun.com slash high-cost-colorado and find all these stories collected in one place. And the fun thing about it for us is we've been trying to get Everybody on the staff involved, everybody, the graphics presentation folks have been amazing in the way they've created these stories. Sometimes they're not many words at all. It's really a graphic presentation where it's photos and it's a short photo essay to try to get these points across as viscerally as possible. Tamara, you've been getting involved. You've, you and Jenner are going to be talking about food later in the week. But one of the things you've been looking at is restaurants, and I know you covered a lot in your podcast every week because it's obviously such a huge employment center. But let's talk about rice and machines and a restaurant that a lot of people know uh, because they've been there on a snowy night and gotten a relatively cheap bowl of teriyaki chicken and rice. What's going on at Kokoro and how are they trying to cope with all this? Yeah, well, when I started uh, doing a story, you know, I was sort of tasked with writing about restaurants and and the cost of eating out. And um, I found, you know, Kokoro because they you know, I like the place. It was a great place to, uh, my kid loves ramen. So we've gone there quite a bit. And, you know, honestly, the the prices are still around $10 or so for a bowl of ramen. But when I was interviewing uh, Mas Torito, who's the owner over there, he, he mentioned that he was looking at buying a $10,000 machine that will help him uh, measure out rice because you know, every little morsel is costing him money. And it's it just became this incredible story because, you know, it's part inflation, part food supply, many things that have gone into the cost of rice. But it's still one of the more affordable um, restaurants out there, in, in probably in my opinion, because I, I, I like eating at Asian-type uh, places. But uh, it's hard for him. And he tries to pay... A good wage and he he mentioned you know every time minimum wage goes up he has to increase the wage for all his staff because uh you know it's not really fair that someone who is starting today is going to make more than someone who started a month ago and we want people to know that we understand the complications of this we want business owners who might be listening to understand that we get it that if minimum wage does go up That means that they're going to be paying a lot more in labor. And sooner or later, that's probably going to raise prices for everybody else. And that it's all tied up together. On the other hand, the people who work for them deserve a decent place to live and are seeing their prices go up. So we're just going to keep exploring and we're going to keep keep taking ideas. Jen, tell us about some of the ideas that we're hearing from readers who are saying, you won't believe how much X costs or Y costs. And we'd love love you guys to dig in more into that. Right. We've gotten so many emails this week, which has been great. And a lot of them are like, 
hey, you know, why don't you try bargain shopping and looking at coupons and then you wouldn't be paying so much for making a hamburger at your house or, you know, some guy was writing in to tell me about the specials at Chili's, which is great. I think also we heard from people on the Eastern Plains, people in the mountains who are saying, hey, you think your prices are bad. See what I just paid to get my car repaired, you know, in a mountain town or, you know, guess how much a whole chicken costs in in my grocery store out here. So we have lots of stories planned about that. Um, Child care, car repair, you name it. So many things are, you know, kind of breaking people. And I just want to kind of end on you know a little bit of a hopeful note like this this series like you said will go on for a few months and it's gonna talk about a lot of pain points but our goal is to also come up with some good reporting on solutions that are being tried um you know there are plenty of ways that the legislature made things more expensive expensive like you know we have a new gas tax etc but Um, They are, you know, in special session right now talking about how to lower property taxes. So we plan to cover all of that and see um, where Colorado is headed in terms of this inflation. Yeah, well, thanks, you guys, for joining me today. Um, We'll be back tomorrow with Jen and I talking about food. But if you listeners want to check out the story, just go to coloradosun.com. There's a special link uh, to the series and a really and lots of cool graphics. Um, There's also an email attached to the stories if you want to share your thoughts, because this is ongoing and we will continue to report on it as, as new comments and suggestions come in. But anyway, thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for more episodes this week. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. A proposed ballot measure to be filed this week with the state's title board would ask Colorado voters to radically overhaul the state's election system. The measure would adopt an open primary system and ranked choice voting in general elections. It would also do away with the caucus and assembly process of putting candidates on the ballot. To get on the 2024 ballot, supporters must collect roughly 125,000 voter signatures in each of Colorado's 35 state senate districts. To pass, the measure would then have to be approved by 55% of voters because it amends the Constitution. Six law enforcement officers who were at the scene when Christian Glass was shot and killed by a Clear Creek County Sheriff's deputy are facing a misdemeanor charge of failure to intervene. Glass was killed in June 2022 after calling 911 because he was stuck on a dirt road near Silver Plume. The deputy who shot Glass has pleaded not guilty to second-degree murder and criminally negligent homicide. The charges against the six others were filed Friday, one day after the supervising sheriff's deputy pleaded guilty to failure to intervene and another misdemeanor and was sentenced to two years probation. Water experts agree the dangerously low levels of Lakes Mead and Powell are a confluence of factors that went ignored when the massive reservoirs were near capacity. One reason it dipped so low in the summer of 2022 is the complicated operating systems for allocating water that run on different schedules and methods. Also adding to the problem, water models were tainted by political posturing, rigid guidelines that delayed decisions that could have saved water, and climate change. In this week's Colorado Sunday feature, we look at whether water users of the Colorado River can succeed in reinventing their complicated system. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now a quick message from our team. I'm Laura Wynott, Director of Membership at the Colorado Sun. 
I came to work at The Sun because quality, trustworthy journalism is important. As a reader and listener, I find The Sun to be a breath of fresh air. The journalists tell Colorado stories that keep me informed, entertained, and engaged. If you also trust The Sun for your news, join me as a member at coloradosun.com slash join. Your support helps to bring you and other Coloradans the news you deserve. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you.